0: have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to John chapter 8. We are in a series called I Am. We're talking about the seven different I Am statements of Jesus in the book of John. And today we're going to talk talk about how Jesus said that he is, he said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. John chapter 8, and we're going to read the first 12 verses of John chapter 8. John chapter eight. And we're going to start in verse 1. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. The Bible says this, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning He was back again at the temple. And a crowd soon gathered. and He sat down and He taught them. And as He was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. and They said, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery the law of moses says to stone her what do you say they were trying to trap him into something they could use against him but jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger they kept demanding an answer so he stood up again and said all right but let no one but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And the Lord, she said, No, Lord. And Jesus answered and said to her, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. And Jesus, as this happens, he turns to the crowd, the Bible says in verse 12, And he speaks to the crowd once again, and he says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We ask this morning that you would speak to us. God, that you would declare something to us that would change our lives forever. Thank you for bringing us to this place. Thank you for this time, for this moment in time with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You know, a little light goes a long way. A little light goes a long way. And this message is very uh, real to me because last night, uh, well actually yesterday morning, my wife and kids all left town. And we're in a house that we haven't lived in for very long. And this house has a basement in it. And this house is maybe, it's a, there's a lot of new houses being built in this in this subdivision and we're one of maybe three or four houses that is finished and so it's really dark there are no street lights there aren't a lot of houses uh, with lights on and so it's pretty dark last night and my wife isn't there to protect me and uh, my kids aren't there to keep me safe and there's just something about people being in the rooms of the house that make you okay with darkness sometimes but so last night A little light goes a long way. What I did last night is I left the light in the, there's a lamp in our living room, and I left that lamp on, and I went into the bedroom, and I kind of sat there for a while, and I I turned the TV on, and I watched some of the games last night. And um, as I was watching the games, I thought, okay, I'm just going to fall asleep with the TV on, because if the TV's on, that will keep me safe for some reason. I don't understand. What is that all about? So all I need, honestly, is just a little bit of light. Okay. Okay. Not, okay. (laughs) Not just a little bit of light, like a whole lot of light. Plus all of the doors need to be shut. Like the closet door and the bathroom door. Because, right, if you close the door, it's a seal. It's a magical seal. (laughs) That means nothing can come out and get you if the door is closed. So that's all I need. Well, that's, maybe that's not all. All I need is a huge bed so that my arms don't hang off the side of the bed so that whatever's under the dark bed won't <laughs> grab me by the arm. That's, that's not all I need. All I need is my 40. And I'm going to talk about my 40-ounce. Some of you are like, yeah, get lit, bro. No, it's not, I'm not talking about my 40-ounce. I'm talking about my 40 caliber handgun. Under my pillow. So last night I had to get all of this stuff in order, because a little light goes a long way. And when Jesus makes this statement, in the middle of this story, in the middle of this incredible moment, he stops and he turns to the crowd and he says, "I am the light of the world." With that statement, Jesus is saying two things. First of all, Jesus is making a declaration about who He is, because we find out in First John, chapter one and verse five, that God is light. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. So, Jesus is making a declaration about who he is. In Genesis, when God is creating the heavens and the earth, the Bible says that he speaks and he says, Let there be light. And the only problem is that everything lit up, but he hadn't created the sun and the moon and the stars yet. He wasn't going to do that for four more days. So we discover even in that moment that when God speaks, let there be light. It wasn't the sun that was causing the world to shine and and be bright. It It was God himself who is light, who was magnifying himself throughout the entire universe. And so we know this about God. Psalms tells us that he wraps himself in light. He wraps himself in light. He wears light as a garment. His light is so powerful that when Moses asked him in Exodus chapter 33, he said, God, I want to see your glory. God said to Moses, he said, no one can see my face and live. No one can see the fullness of who I am and live. But I'll show you my glory in in that I'll show you my goodness. And so God says to Moses, he says, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of this rock. He hides him in a rock and covers his face. And then God passes by in his goodness. And as he passes by, he lifts his hand so that Moses can see his back. And we understand that the reason you can't look into the face of God is because Revelation says that when, when when Revelation is talking about the face of God, it says the sun, his face shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. So we understand that God is light, God is glory, God is goodness. And so when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's making a declaration about who he is. But more than that, he's making a declaration about what he does. Because he is not just the God who is; he is the God who does. I am the light of the world. He said, "If you are, if you are in me, you will never experience darkness." What does light do? Light, light rescues us from the darkness. Because the moment light comes in, darkness has to flee. The moment light shows up, darkness. Loses. <laughs> that's why the enemy fights the gospel so hard. That's why, he would, that's why he would rather you not hear the good news of Jesus Christ. The enemy fights the gospel so hard because listen to what 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says. It says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The gospel is so disputed and the gospel is so argued against and the gospel is so heavily attacked because the gospel brings light into the life of people who are experiencing darkness and when, when, when the gospel comes in and, and invades it, it changes everything. And so the God of this age, the devil, our enemy, and people who would work with him and for him and his demons would work so hard to keep the gospel out of our life because once the gospel gets in, then darkness loses. Darkness loses. Darkness loses. And Jesus begins to shine bright. I mean, this morning, listen, we could get on a plane. And we could go over to Sri Lanka and we could go to the Temple of the Tooth. The Temple of the Tooth is a place where a tooth remains of Buddha. And they, they build a whole temple around a tooth. And you can go there and you can see that tooth because when Buddha died, he stayed that way. You can get on a plane and fly over to Saudi Arabia and go to the Green Dome where the so-called prophet Muhammad is buried. And when you get there, his remains will be there because when Muhammad died, Muhammad stayed that way. You could get on a plane this morning and fly to Israel and they could take you to the place where they say it is the tomb where Jesus was buried. But the problem is, is you won't find Jesus there. Because when Jesus... So I came to declare to you when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, He is saying, I am not one of many ways. He is declaring... I am the light. I'm not one of many lights. I am the light. What does light do? Light rescues us from darkness. Why do people hate light? Because John 3.20 says this. It says, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. A lot of people are like, I don't go to church because there's so many hypocrites there. No, most people don't come to church because they're afraid of exposure. They're afraid the light is going to shine in and show them where they're really at. Hmm. So what happens in this story? John 8, this woman caught in the act of adultery. Have you ever been caught in the act? Maybe you feel like maybe you haven't been caught in the act, but have you ever have you ever sinned? You should be saying yes. I'm going to give you the answer to that question. Like pop quiz. Here's the answer. Jesus said if you say you have no sin, then you've not experienced the light. Because the light exposes your sin. She's caught in the act of adultery. And the amazing thing about this story is They grab this woman. They begin to drag her through the streets to Jesus. And as they get to Jesus, they throw this woman before Jesus and they begin to recite to the Word His Word. And they come acting like they care about Righteousness. They come acting like they are so concerned with the condition of this woman. But there's something missing from this story. Where is the man? Because if they were concerned with righteousness, they would understand that the scripture they're actually quoting to Jesus actually says. Can I read it to you? Deuteronomy 22 and 22. It says, if a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman. Can you look at your neighbor and say, you can't commit adultery by yourself. And the law required, they were right in this, that she should have been killed, but it shouldn't have just been her. So we automatically get a window into the hearts of these men. They weren't concerned about righteousness. What they were concerned about was this crazy man, Jesus, who had been coming into their cities and teaching that he was God. And so they wanted to catch him in something, because if they throw her before Jesus and Jesus doesn't do anything about her sin, then He has broke the law. But if He allows them to kill her, or He Himself stones her, then He loses His reputation of a man of compassion and forgiveness. See, the problem with most Christians is they know the Word, and they know the book, they just don't know the character of the author. They know Scripture enough to use it as a grenade to launch at other people that aren't behaving in a way that they believe they should behave, but they don't know it enough to know the compassion and the mercy of the author who wrote the that the book is about. So I love their arrogance because it just gives me a window into not just them, but me. What does the law do? The law reveals our guilt. But the problem with them being so angry over her sin is this they couldn't stone her. Because in order to stone her, you would have yourself had to have perfectly kept the law. So they were in no position to stone her, but they would have. The only one in the position to stone her wouldn't. And that was Jesus. So they throw her before Jesus. They try to catch Jesus. And notice what Jesus does. I love this about Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, he acts as if he didn't even hear him. I love this. Because what it is, what it says to me, is that when people try to expose me before the Lord, when people try to accuse me in front of God, God doesn't even listen, He's not even listening. So you can go ahead and say whatever you want to say about me. God doesn't even hear it. Matter of fact, he ignores them to the point where he kneels down to the ground. The Bible says stoops to the ground and begins to write in the dirt. As if they didn't say a word. (laughs) It's amazing. They wanted... They wanted to test Jesus on a book he wrote. (laughs) If Jesus was just a teacher, you could test him, but he wasn't just a teacher of the word. Jesus doesn't just teach the word, he is the word. You don't test the author of the book. Because the author doesn't know just what they wrote, they know why they wrote it. As a Jesus recognizing and revealing their misuse of the law. Finally, they bugged him enough to the point where he says, okay, you want, you want something to be exposed, do you? Okay, how about I expose you? Because <laughs> when the light comes, the light doesn't come on you for you to expose others. The light comes for God to expose what's on the inside of you. And this is what's happening. Every time somebody accuses you and tries to expose you, all they do is expose themselves. And they're like, Robbie, have you heard what they said? Have you heard what they did? Did you know they said that about you? And I said, I said, every time somebody opens up their mouth against me, they're not exposing me, they're exposing themselves. You need to look at your neighbor and say, Thank you, Jesus. That my enemies have no... Even... Themselves. Because what they forgot is the law demands perfection. Guys, 99% won't do. Just think about it in this way. Think about it. Say you keep 80% of the law. Which is a pretty high percentage when you think about it. Because there's over 600 of them. You're like, oh, I thought 8 out of 10 commandments. No, I'm sorry. There's more. (laughs) Say you're an 80%er. But there's this 40%er. Over here. And you think because you're an 80 percenter, you've got a better chance of going to heaven than the 40 percenter. Because at least you don't do what they do. I might gossip a little bit, but at least I'm not sleeping around. Because I'm an 80 percenter. Oh, this is so good. But the problem with the 80 percenter and the 40 percenter is that 80 percent isn't enough and 40 percent isn't enough. I told you 99.9 won't do. James chapter 2 and verse 10 says this. If you break one law, you're guilty of breaking the entire Think. Why would you think for a second, after you've been saved and delivered by the grace of God, why would you think that for a moment, once that happened now, all of a sudden, your goodness and your ability to keep the law is going to get you into heaven? How many in this room have sinned since they've been a Christian? So if all of us are guilty, then none of us get to go. But you're like, but I I get 99% of it right. And they only get 1%. (laughs) I'm messing you up. Because you thought, what we want to know is when does somebody cross the line To where we can make a declaration that they should be stoned. That they should be judged. That that person is going to hell. We want to know. People ask me all the time. How far is too far? what What do you say to a person who gets saved and then lives in sin? Well, same thing I would say to you. Do you sin? Yeah, but I don't mean it. <laughs> but I try really hard not to. Is, is, that, is that how you're going to get to heaven? You're going to get to heaven and you're standing there and somebody else is standing there and God's going to look at you and say, man, you tried so much harder than that guy. For your trying. Get on in there big guy. You didn't try hard. You should have tried harder. You shouldn't have gotten. You shouldn't have done that 16 times. If you would have only done that 8 times like him. Y'all are acting like you're not hearing me. But you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so Jesus reveals their misuse of the law. All the law can do is point out how short we fall of the glory of God. Romans tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The only way you and I measure up is through Jesus. And so notice what Jesus does as the religious people stand there, some of them probably with stones in their hand, ready to throw them. As religious people are standing in their arrogance, Jesus stoops down in humility. And as religious people are standing up and declaring her guilt, Jesus stoops down in the dirt and begins to write. Jesus stoops down because when you can't stand up, Jesus goes down. When you can't come up, Jesus stoops down. When you can't get up, Jesus stoops down. When you can't do it for yourself, Jesus stoops down. This is a picture of what Jesus did when He left heaven and He came to earth. Jesus stooped down. He left the glory of heaven because He is not just, I am the light of the world up here on a mountain somewhere. No, what God is, I am the light of the world, is not just someone who shines the glory of God, but reveals the goodness of God. Jesus came to put on full display the goodness of God. That's why Jesus came. And so, while everybody else is standing up over her, declaring her guilt, Jesus kneels down in her dirt. (laughs) God, wrapped in flesh, the light of the world, stoops down. Make sure before you speak on a situation, you stoop down. Can I tell you, what I'm doing this morning is a part of ministry. But if this is all that ministry is, then I'm no better than the religious. Ministry stoops down down, it doesn't just preach down, it stoops down, Jesus takes his finger and he begins to write in dirt, and you know what, I have no idea what he wrote, no idea, some think he wrote scripture from Isaiah, he was, I'm like, really? Really? He wrote that much, like an entire verse. (laughs) He was wounded for trans... trans I'm just through transgression. Give me a minute. I'm I'm bruised for... I have no idea what he wrote. I don't think what he wrote is important. I think what is important is the meaning the why behind what he wrote. There's another occasion in the next chapter where the Bible says Jesus and his disciples encounter a blind man. And Jesus tells them, he says, I'm the light of the world. And then he encounters this blind man and the Bible says that Jesus spits in the dirt. And he takes the dirt and he puts it in the eyes of the man and he tells him to go wash in the pool. I think the significance of both of these moments is Jesus saying, there's nothing too bad You've not done something so dirty that I can't kneel down and put my hand on that. Listen, if you can't get in the dirt with people, you will never reach people. If you want to use the Bible to throw grenades at people, if you want to use the Word of God to launch accusation at people, I pray this morning that God is revealing to you that you're misusing his word. His word should do nothing but draw you to your knees to get into the mess of humanity so that you can minister to humanity. And then he steps up, the Bible says. And he looks at them and he says, he that's without sin, cast the first stone. They all recognize We can't throw stones. We have sin. So they begin to walk away. From the oldest, the Bible says, to the youngest. Because I think the older you get, the less arrogant. The less puffed up in pride sometimes because you realize, man, I've been through a lot and I've done a lot. And if anybody deserves to be just stoned and thrown out of this thing and judged and exposed, it's me. When you're older, you carry a lot more baggage. And I think they were probably a little bit more worried that Jesus was going to start talking about them. So the oldest to the youngest walk away. And I can't imagine this woman. I mean, she's been drugged straight from her situation. She's caught in the act. She's drugged through the streets. Tears in her eyes. I'm sure she's tried to wipe her eyes, but... The dirt from the ground and the water from her eyes. She's got dirt on her eyes. I can't even imagine in that moment, the darkest moment of her life. She's been caught in her sin. She's standing before Jesus. She knows the law. She's getting ready to be stoned. She just knows it. And she's, can you imagine? Eyes closed because she can't open them. She's too afraid. And then Jesus speaks to her and he says, Hey, woman, where are your accusers? Because if you're not careful, you'll keep crying over something Jesus has dismissed. And so he comes in his gracious nature and he says, Woman, where are your accusers? And to her surprise, she looks up and she says, They're not here. (laughs) They're gone. He said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Where are your accusers? Because... Jesus is in the business of eliminating our accusers. And then Jesus is in the business of forgiving us, even though he could condemn us. He says, neither do I condemn you. You know, if you're not careful, condemnation... Is so dangerous because condemnation doesn't just rob you of your present. Condemnation robs you of your future. Because if you're not cautious, you'll be, you'll be somewhere 10 years from now and you'll be in a, a situation that looks like it's on the verge of being good and you'll be thinking, I don't deserve this because... You'll think, I, I shouldn't be happy. I, I don't deserve to be happy And you'll settle for dysfunction because of condemnation. Because condemnation says, you did that, so you deserve this. You deserve to have a bad marriage because of who you are. You deserve to have kids like that because of what you did when you were a kid. You deserve that situation to happen to you because look at what you did. But Jesus comes to remove the condemnation so that not only we can rejoice in our present freeness, but we can rejoice that in the future when good things happen to us, our accusers are not lurking in the corner somewhere ready to attack us with accusation, because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Romans 8 and 1 says, There is nation to those who are in Christ Jesus? None. He says, I don't condemn you. And I love what he says. He says, go. Go. Sin no more. Isn't that powerful? Do you know in every situation where Jesus encountered someone and he told them to go and sin no more, He did it out of relationship. He didn't just bust the door down in somebody's house, walk into their bedroom and say, Stop sinning! He either healed them of a disease, or He rescued them in darkness. Why? Because what Jesus was saying is, Oh yeah, I, he, he didn't say, I don't condemn you. Now go live however you want. Go back to sleeping with that man. That's not what he said. He said go and sin no more. Because when you encounter the grace of God, it doesn't make you want to sin. It makes you realize how much you've been... How deep, how dark. If you've been in a room for a long time, that's dark, and then you walk outside, and when the light first hits you, it almost—it's almost repulsive. You almost don't want it. You almost want to run away. I Think Jesus can be so bright that he can almost be disruptive to our to our nature because we've been in dark. I'm telling you. you Because light, man, it reveals the truth. Light causes things to grow. Plants don't run from the light. They lean into the light. It's amazing. You would think, because God is so bright, we would have to run in the other direction. That's why Jesus came in the form of... Man, he wrapped himself in flesh because if we would have seen him in all of his glory, we would have ran in the other direction. He came as a man and he knelt down into our dirt and he touched us in the places in the darkest places of our soul and rescued us there. I've got good news for anybody who feels like you're in a dark situation today. I want you to listen to the words of Micah as he says in Micah chapter 7, verses 7 through 8. He says, as for me, he says, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me and my God will certainly hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be the light of my life. Sin no more. Not because you're afraid of judgment. Not because you're afraid of stones. But because you have met God and have been rescued by His grace. Let's pray. Father.